0: Welcome to the Future of Email. I'm Dr. Matthew Dunn, founder and CEO of Campaign Genius. We help email platforms grow by giving their customers the power of real-time visual media in their email marketing. We believe that email is the critical civil media channel today for business and commerce. This podcast features the leading innovators in email marketing. Stick around to the end. I'll reveal how you can be our next guest on the Cutting Edge Podcast future of email. Let's go. Good afternoon. This is Dr. Matthew Dunn, host of the future of email marketing. My guest today coming from the East Coast, if I'm not mistaken, Ross Browse, president of Continuous Networks. Hi, Ross. Hey, thanks for having me. Where am I I, uh, speaking to you from? Where are you speaking to me from or where am I speaking from?
1: (laughs) Where where are you speaking from? Yeah. (laughs) I'm in Northern Jersey. So about uh, 45 minutes outside of New York city.
0: Okay. Okay. We had a, had a guest on last week from, uh, from Jersey as well. He made a, Distinction, I said New York. I said no, New Jersey.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: uh, we're we're in uh, we're in Bellingham, Washington, north of uh, Seattle. So it's okay. Cross country conversations here. You are like the complete opposite end. <laughs> it's it, it's, it, it's, <laughs> it, it uh, it's okay. Hey, tell people a bit about uh, about your company, if you don't mind.
1: Yeah, sure. So we are a technology uh, support provider. Uh, we service New York, New Jersey primarily, mm-hmm. uh, but we do have customers all over all over the U.S. Uh, yeah. You know, people have offices in different places, and so with the way things work today, it it really can work wherever you are. Yeah. Uh, but we actually uh, started as a web hosting company many many years ago. So before they called it the cloud, they called it web hosting. Right, right, right. <laughs> and that was us. That's what we did. You know, you you put servers online and people bought them from you and they hosted their websites and they set up their own email accounts. Right. And it was it was great. And you pretty much just had to have enough money to put a server online and you could make money. <laughs> <laughs> Col- colo, the days of colo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. colo. Well, and it's funny because that term, we still use that term. We actually still have a lot of co-location customers, but... Yeah. Yeah, it was, you know, back in the day, it was absolutely fantastic. And you didn't have to have a degree and you didn't have to know sales and you didn't have to know marketing. And you could just make a lot of money. Well, <laughs> you, you, you like
0: me are a, a refugee from other fields. Like your, your background originally was film and television, correct? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. right. I went to NYU film and TV. So uh everyone always asks me that. How come you're not making movies today? I'm like, well, I am. They're just on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: right. You got a lot of a lot of content up there. I, I always tell people in our, you know, art, art art arts arts background is great for the for the world of tech because uh increasingly it's about clarity, explanation, connection, relationships. And yes, you have to learn the technical bits. Um, but it was all invented last week. So even yeah. a guy with a comp sci degree from 10 years ago he's gotta play keep up and learn like the yep. rest of us, right?
1: Yep, exactly. I, yeah. I think if you know how to tell a story, it's it's what really matters. Do you know yeah. how to tell a story? Do you have a story to tell? We all do. Yeah. For uh sure. but and make it relatable to people. And that's yeah. that's what people want.
0: Yeah, yeah. Certainly, certainly how they uh how they connect and how they learn. Um was the pandemic a business boost for continuous networks.
1: It was a huge business boost for us. (laughs) Funny, funny story. We actually, we we had an office that we were spending a ton of money on and the lease was ending. And so Mm -hmm. we were moving into a new office and build this brand new, beautiful space. And they were having a lot of trouble getting permits through and getting it all done. And then all of a sudden, so we were all working remotely, I don't know, five months before the pandemic happened. So we had prepared to do that for, I don't know, six to nine months. Yeah. They came back to us and they said, "We don't know when we're going to facilitate on this space." So we said, "Well, you know what? We don't need it. We don't need it." And so we went. Com- we we just agreed to stay completely virtual. We've yeah. been virtual for going on two years now. Yeah, we've got a team of twenty six. We've expanded from the last two years. We've expanded from fourteen to twenty six. Wow! And it's been working really well. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you.
0: And yeah. and your probably a lot of your customers had to make the same kind of shift, maybe without less that lead time.
1: Well, it was nice for us because while they made that shift, we were ready to do it. We had already done it ourselves. We yeah. were all. We didn't have to make a big transitional change the way so many other companies did, because we were already there. So yeah, we we leverage that. We use that to their benefit, to our benefit. And we had yeah. one of our best years ever last year.
0: Wow! Congratulations. Thank I you. Mean, it it it's it's been hard on a lot of companies, but if yeah. you're in the digital space, in some ways, it just felt like okay. You know, we jumped ahead a few years, maybe, but okay, we've been waiting for you guys to come join us over here.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, and it's, you know, we also, it wasn't just that. It wasn't just luck of the draw. We spent a lot of time on sales and marketing last year. We just figured out new ways to do it. I heard uh, Marcus Limonis, uh, you know, from NBC's uh, CNBC's The Profit, and he was speaking at an event early on in the year, and he just said, my advice to you is double down on marketing. Double down on marketing. Build when things are cheap. Right. And we right. took that advice and, yeah. and we did it and it paid, it paid off.
0: So, so how, do you, how do you market and how do you get the uh, marketing that pays off for, for a company in the niche that you're in?
1: Yeah, well, a lot of different ways. It's never just one thing. Uh, but what we found is that you know, we had a lot of uh, direct mail marketing that we were doing. Mm-hmm. And that worked really well when people were in their offices, but it didn't work so well when everybody <laughs> went home. Yeah. But everyone still had a phone and everyone still had an email account. Right. And, and everyone was on social media. Right. So we just changed our strategy to that, to, to be more of a digital focus. Mm-hmm. Now, we had already been doing email marketing for quite some time. I mean, we've been doing it for decades, but uh, we really focused in that area and then honing in the message that we wanted. We did mm-hmm. a ton of telemarketing. We made 16,406 telemarketing dials last year. <laughs> We sent tens of thousands of emails, not just to our customers, but to our, our marketing list. Yeah. Uh, and we continued to send them content. Yeah. And that, that resonated with them. That caused So when we got on the phone, when we made that phone call, the yeah. fact that they'd seen the emails, the fact that they'd seen some content on social media mm-hmm. uh, or heard about us in some other way, caused that connection to take place. Right. Okay. And so it's, okay. it's never just one thing.
0: No, no, it's not. But uh, it's a lot of work. And and even adapting, you know, shifting channels or shifting your emphasis in terms of ch- in terms of channel mix, like that that takes time, effort, focus, yep. uh, yep. party. You know, at least part of your team uh, yep. uh, with that in that in front of their uh, to do list. So right. yeah, good good on you. Um, what, what website social uh, mix. Did you see a shift in the in the sort of patterns of how people? learned about, and engaged you uh, in, in the
1: pandemic versus pre-pandemic period? Um, I don't know if it necessarily changed. Well, it didn't change the conversation. The conversations were always the same. I, I think that we had more submissions on the website. Mm-hmm. There was more interest from social media. Uh, and you know, people said people aren't, people aren't buying right now. And that just simply wasn't true. Now, maybe if you were catering to uh, hospitality, Right. Or you were catering to restaurants, then yeah, that was absolutely the case. They were shut down, right. but you know, even medical practices, they were shut down for a month, month and a half, right. and then there was that huge surge of people wanting to come in and, and buy. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it wasn't any different for manufacturing. Manufacturing is a huge uh, target market for us. And so Hmm. we saw them hit there for a month, two months. And then by June of 2020, it was just like a boomerang coming back. Wow. And then they were trying, all right, but how do we do this? How do we do this? You know, we can't get product. We can't get, you know, our supply chain is constrained. How do we do this? But at the same time, they were interested in talking with us, having that conversation saying, well, maybe now's the time to look at security. How can we optimize technology? Right. It had an impact.
0: Right, right. And, and I, I don't get a sense from anybody I've conversed with that that they're planning on going back, you know, back to 1957, back to the future. It's like, right. <laughs> like no, this is like this is where we yeah. are. We're gonna have to operate this way. And um, I saw a lot of remarkable ingenuity from from even some of the smaller businesses in the the town I live in. Like, oh, we have to do curbside. You know, we can figure this out. Hang on a second. What if we you know call here and, and a list there and like. Bam! They just got with it, yeah, um, and adapted. Like, yep. Oh, yep. I heard one school system say we had a ten-year plan for a virtual classroom. We did it in two weeks instead. <laughs> yep.
1: <laughs> yeah. That 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 reminds me of somebody said I forget what it was, but I was reading some article about Zoom and everything they were doing, and it said we literally jumped forward thirty years into the future in a matter of a few months. Yeah. Yeah. With what we prove to ourselves that we can do that, the whole thing now, obviously, there's going to be a shift back to a certain extent. People are missing that human connection. Yeah. But the fact is, we realized as businesses that we can operate allowing people to have more integrated lifestyles. They yeah. don't have to be in the office, we don't have to be breathing down their necks
0: yeah.
1: all of yeah. the time. Yeah. We need the human connection, we need that for sure, but we don't necessarily need to make people commute four hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've worked virtually for
0: most of 20 years, so I was used to this, Yeah, Um, but I'm always curious to talk to someone who's made the shift and you've been at it for close to two years now. What do you miss about the live office? Uh, Don't tell me you missed the commute. Nobody misses the commute.
1: Um, going out to lunch with with peers and colleagues and clients and those lunches, are I, that's what I, I think I miss the most because there's yeah. that social aspect where yeah. we're eating together, we're breaking bread together yeah. and just being able to look at somebody directly in the eye and have a conversation. That connection is great.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I miss the in-person sales meetings and I miss the in-person um, client meetings. Now we're starting to get out and do that with people being vaccinated, this is happening. I I spoke at a conference a couple of weeks ago with 2000 people. That was fantastic. So there are things starting to happen again, which is great. Mm -hmm. And I miss those things. I really miss those things. And just, I think there's a huge pent up need for people to get out and do that again. So I I think we're going to see a huge shift in people wanting to have shared workspaces. Because that, yeah. that's one thing that I'm thinking about as well. You know, I would love to have a space where we can all just kind of go in a couple of days a week, mm-hmm. uh, be together and have some of our meetings together, bring mm-hmm. a client over to the office, do things like that. I think we're going to see a lot more focus on that from a business office space usage perspective yeah. versus the way that it was with everybody in their private cubicles and sitting there, yeah. you know, all day every yeah. day.
0: Yeah, that's that's interesting. I, I've been reading up on, you know, large large companies trying to figure out what to do. You know, yep. how do they recalibrate? Um, well, one second. You know, the problem with the virtual workplaces is all those digital channels are like, "Hey, are you free?" No, yeah. cuz I forgot yeah. to mute you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one second. Do you guys <laughs> use Slack? I'm not sure if Hughes I love it or hate teams. it. We were we on Slack, Slack for
1: years, but we teams. moved to Microsoft Teams. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Go away. <laughs> there sorry about <laughs> sorry about that i mean that this is crazy. where we live now right no yep. um we're saying oh as big big corps are looking at this um the consistent pattern to the stuff i've been reading is almost nobody is saying let's stay completely virtual unless they were already there yeah or Unless they found some like resounding surprise about how it worked, and I, and I think the motive is probably you know aside from gee, we've got real estate in a lot of cases is probably what what you already nailed there, like yeah. that human connection need, and I think we're, we're smarter when we get a chance to riff and interact and yep. scribble on the white Collaboration. Flag. Throw yep. darts, yeah,
1: collaboration stuff, yeah, yep. yeah. We're um, more productive. We're definitely more productive working from home, but we're not as collaborative. Yeah, and yeah, that's well the put. part that that we're yeah, missing. Well put. Yeah,
0: yeah, and um, and the relationship stuff, you which you already alluded to. You know, like, yeah. you know, who is this guy? What makes him tick? Yeah. Um, Zoom conversations, one to one. I'm finding I'm, you know, I'm getting more used to them. Um, maybe everybody is. But you get more than a couple people on a Zoom call and it is not the same as three or four people in a room together. Yep. Exactly. Body language cues, size of, the, you know, size of the face you're looking at, shared audio, shared physical reference, all mm-hmm. those little things are big deal
1: yep. that they're missing. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. huge, and you know just the technical difficulties that can arise as well. <laughs> what did you say? Can you repeat that? I missed yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Or when the thing freezes and you're like, uh. yep. you're frozen," <laughs> yeah. or you're on mute. You're on mute. Yes, okay. I'm trying to figure out how to unmute my computer. <laughs> <laughs> my uh,
0: my wife works for the school system here, and she's done a couple of classes. And I, and I walk by and I look over her shoulder, and there's you know there's 24 people. On the Zoom screen, <laughs> I'm just mm-hmm. thinking you're going to be exhausted by the time you're done. Uh, yep. Trying to trying to make sense of each of those, and and just like a live meeting, different personalities can assert in different ways mm-hmm. uh, on on those big video conferences. It's uh, yep. it's pretty amusing to watch. Certainly, can make be good for monitor sales, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that it was. <laughs> <laughs> Look,
0: I keep going to go more and bigger, more yeah. and bigger.
1: More <laughs> faces. Great. They're all wow. looking at me. <laughs>
0: yeah. How do I rationalize a 43-inch curved screen again? Uh Sure, I yeah. really need
1: it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well,
0: we, we were supposed to talk about email marketing, so we could do a little of that. And it sounds yeah. like you've been at that for a while as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, it's funny, we... Because we came from web hosting, we did a lot of emailing to our customers. Yeah. You know, we were buying banner advertisements on forums and we'd, you know, create lists and then we'd blast them with email. But it was always, I think the funny part about it is we were always talking about our latest and greatest offer. Mm -hmm. What are we offering? 20% discount, 30% discount. You know, we've got a big special coming. It was always that, right? And we were sending out HTML emails and you kind of, you know, I mean, you tracked it the best you could, but. you never really knew what exactly it was doing. (laughs) And it's funny as we've matured, and I think the market's matured, the way we look at email today is so very, very different. How so? Well, if you go back 10, 15 years, my Microsoft Outlook didn't have the focused inbox. Gmail didn't have the promotional tab. We didn't have this automatic artificial intelligence, um, you know, sorting of our email to Mm kind of take some of that stuff out of our view. Mm -hmm. So it's harder today to get in front of somebody's eyes with email. Now, it's one of the avenues, like social media could be just as hard, but at least... Social media, I went to social media for a specific reason. And email, so many people today are still using it as a communication form for internal communication. We don't do that. Like We keep all of our internal communication out of email and only use it as an external Mm -hmm. uh, communication tool. Mm -hmm. But I'm still missing things all the time. Now, every now and then something comes in and it grabs my attention which is not unlike when you're looking at a newsfeed on Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. something has to grab your attention. So when you're creating your emails, you've got to say something that is different. And, you know, most of the time I see the emails, I'm getting a ton of them. I'm getting a ton of calls. People are trying to solicit me there. It's always selly, everything's selly. And it's always about what they can do or what they are, what they have, or what they know. Mm -hmm. And nobody ever sends me something. It it happens rarely. Nobody ever sends me something that gets into my mind about what I'm struggling with or frustrated with today. Hmm. But every now and then an email will trickle through and there'll be a subject where I go, huh, that's exactly what I was thinking. All right, I'll read it. Mm -hmm. And that's the methodology behind any of these things. Email is no different. You have to send a message. Your subject line has to be very specific and the content inside of it has to be very, very short. We do only text-based email. I won't send HTML email anymore. And it's always a link, usually to a video. Here's okay. a video online. I'll say a couple of specific lines, just like you would in a social media newsfeed. Mm-hmm. And then here's the link and you, you would be well served by watching this video. And I don't say those words exactly, but that's what I'm alluding to right. with the verbiage that's in the actual email. So we keep it very, very short because we know that people are have to be sensitive to their time. They're trying to conserve calories in time. I only have so much time to spend on X, Y, Z. And if you want to get my attention, you got a split second to do it. Right, right. And right. so I think email marketing today, I, I don't think it, I don't personally believe it works as a standalone method, but I think it works extremely well when you pair it with the other things you're doing, whether that's um, webinars, events, social media, uh, you know, uh, direct mail marketing, whatever your other mediums are hmm. you definitely have to be email marketing there's no reason not to do it i think it's still extremely effective because you have that opportunity to get in front of the uh, in, in front of the eyes of your buyer and in the mind of your buyer but only if you say the right thing
0: right right um you mentioned that you had done a ton of telemarketing last year you even knew the number of calls um any any
1: experiments with uh mms or sms marketing we haven't done that that's you know and it's really funny. We all have a personal relationship with each one of our communication mediums. So mm-hmm. I'll get a thousand emails a day from so many different places. There's automated emails, there's promotions, there's sure. you know customers, vendors, whatever. Uh, but I don't get that in my iMessage feed on my iPhone. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of that way where, you know, if you want to get my attention, mm-hmm. you're going to get it real quick because I'm expecting most of the time, these are important messages. Yeah. And my mind still prioritizes that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm actually kind of against it because I don't want that to be ruined. I don't want that really special communication medium to be ruined because it's a way for my family or my friends or my clients to get my attention immediately. Mm-hmm. I, I, the phone dings, it lights up, I see it, and it just draws me right in. Yeah, yeah, you can't kind it's of an can't emergency. not look at it. Yeah, yeah or yeah. it's something really important. Emails, like, eh, I, I'm going to check emails if you, you know... I'm batch processing to an extent Yeah, a little bit here yeah. in the morning, a little bit in the afternoon, a little bit in the evening and not sitting there and constantly looking at email all day. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and what, what you just said is it reasonably
0: consistent with the majority of people I've, I've asked about the same question. Um, it's like my messaging app of choice and leave commercial messaging platforms out of the mix for a second. Like that's personal. And it tends yeah. to be known people, known names. I, you know, a text from somebody I don't know is a great big uh, "Don't ever do that again." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, kind of a yeah. thing. And I can't think of a single business that I want to get text messages yeah, from. Yeah. No. Like they're just not that important. Now, yeah. I did sign when I got uh, when I got vaccinated, um, uh, COVID vaccinated. Sorry, let's date this thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I, I I filled in the form and did the paperwork for the follow-up survey from the CDC, which was done for me at least via text. Yeah. And it was it was well done and it was actually very effective. And and I know it's a short window. So when I get the ping, when now it's down to weekly, I get the ping and it's the CDC and I click on the link and then ding ding ding, you know, no, mm-hmm. I'm fine. No, I'm fine. Don't bother me. Thanks. By like I'm adding to their data set as a really constrained use of that of that channel. I was yeah. okay
1: with it, but I was in control of saying yeah. Right. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And you did, it, it didn't come unsolicited. You asked for it and mm-hmm. it's giving you some piece of information that you want. Yeah. Similarly, yeah. We, we could do that. We don't, but we could do that with our clients. Yeah. If there was a network problem or something that could yeah. impact their <clears> service, yeah. they want to know about that right away. We can jump into that personal channel yeah. because it's they know that it's important, but they asked for it. They said, yeah. I do want to know. And yeah. that's the way to get my attention very quickly.
0: Oh, actually, and yeah, you're yeah, agreed. And actually, you're right. (laughs) Right, there are a couple of technical services underneath uh, Campaign Genius where I signed up for the text alert if it goes down. Why? Mm -hmm. Because I really want to know now if something's not working. Yeah. Yep. So more, uh, much more time, much more time sensitive stuff, I suppose, qualifies uh, where almost nothing else does. And the the archive, save, read later mechanisms are quite different. Yep. Email to text. Um, you know, some people save their text messages. Some don't. Email. Yeah. It seems like everybody
1: <laughs> hangs on to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very few people delete email. The only people I've seen that are really effective at deleting email are salespeople. <laughs> They're really good at sorting and deleting email. I, I'm terrible at it. I, I, I would completely close out of my email client and never use it if I could. Yeah. So at some point, I will, I will be big enough in my business where I'll have somebody manage that for me and I'll respond to none of my own email because <laughs> 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 I don't want any part of it but
0: <laughs> uh, we'll see we'll see yeah. it's, a, it's an interesting habit to give up and we're now talking about you know 20 25 plus years for a lot of people uh, yeah. yeah that being a a predominant form of communication, particularly business communication,
1: but obviously personal yeah. as well. Oh, ask me again in three years and I'll probably still be doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and probably still have the same I'm not sure that the
0: pattern of challenges in email is actually going to shift that much. You know, too much stuff in the inbox, too many messages yeah. coming in. You know, will there be more AI assistance as you as you mentioned? Yeah, yeah, yeah. probably. Will I trust it completely? Never. Never. Right? No. Never. Because no. I, the one thing that slips through the cracks that I really wanted to get, yeah, justifies the kind of attention suck of, yeah, of, of, of skimming, skimming almost everything at least, yeah. Although we're all yeah. fast at that, yeah. yeah. What do you think? Uh, do you think people actually read emails in, in in any depth? Like, what's your what's your guess about the psychology of how they engage the messages that they're going through?
1: Well, so for example, um, speaking of unsolicited email, I received one last week, two, one last week, and the one the week prior. Mm-hmm. And the person who was soliciting me wrote me a novel. I mean, wow. this was—I would have had to have scrolled four times, wow. and I have a high-resolution screen. I would have had to have scrolled four times just to read this entire email. Mm-hmm. And my immediate thought was—I mean, I saw the email. And I forget what, maybe it was some kind of subject that, that did attract me a little bit, but then I was mm-hmm. like, are you serious? Like, there's no <laughs> compassion for my time there whatsoever. Yeah. Do you really think that I'm going to spend all of this time reading your email? I don't know you. Hmm. I don't, yeah. you, you're clearly trying to take some of my time and you're giving me nothing. Like, uh, I, another email that, that I, that I received just this week, the guy's asking me to, you know, take some time. He wants to take my time he's given me nothing. Hmm. He's giving me no understanding. He's given me no value. He's given me no education. I have nothing from him, but he wants to take my time because his product or his service is so good. It's going to do something for me that I just really need. Well, listen, that's fine. If I'm actually in the pain point where I would respond to that, and you happen to catch me in that one split second, but that's so unbelievably rare yeah. You've got to give me something. You you have to help me out in some way yeah. and get into my mind if you want me to pay attention to it. I don't care if it's one sentence or a thousand sentences. I'm not paying attention if you don't take that approach, yeah. <laughs> and nobody does it.
0: Not I, I tend to agree with you there. It's a it's 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 way too rare. And I mean, you mentioned content marketing, which philosophically at least tips over into you know what add value to the universe and. And then the conversation yeah. where someone actually needs it engages it is much richer, much better because you, you you've kind of used you've kind of let them make that decision, right? Yep. Yeah. I I got a solicitation call. I think it was this morning, like pre coffee, which is always dangerous. Phone <laughs> rings. I don't know the number. I'm like, eh, okay. You know, hi Matthew Done. and and the lady on the other end went boom, boom, boom to the script. You know, hi, we uh, took a breath and then said, do you have a calendar? Oh. And I said, you didn't actually ask me whether the answer was yes, I'm interested. Yeah. Right? Click, yeah. buy Bozo filter for the rest of your life. Yeah. And yeah. I find LinkedIn noise, noisy as heck these days for the same reason. Yeah. Like so much selling. Like, hey, we've got a great pitch. Stop. I don't even know you, but yep. you clearly got the name wrong. So I don't think this is going to go very far, honestly. Yeah.
1: Well, it's true. I mean, and uh, the surveys lately will tell you that, people still overwhelmingly use that platform as a way to find a job. Mm. There are 700 million people on the platform every single day. Wow. And only 3 million of them actually create content. Now I'm one of those content creators on LinkedIn. Yeah. And I would say I'm a video content creator. So yeah. I I would guess it's probably only in the thousands of the people that are creating video content. But I will when I go and connect with somebody, I will specifically say to them, I would love to connect with you. I have no interest in selling you anything. So if you think that's what's going to happen here, you can breathe a sigh of relief because (laughs) I won't do it. It drives me crazy. And and, and that'll be the note that we'll send along when we go to connect with them. I really just am growing my network and providing value because I understand that I've got to give them something before I can ask them for something. And that's what content marketing is all about. Giving that away, letting other people become interested in you as an authority and establishing right. that trust. Yeah. Email is exactly the same thing. If you want people to trust you, then you have to start giving them something that's interesting. It could be white papers. It mm-hmm. could be a video of you know something that I'm struggling with. I don't know one business where we don't worry about margins. Uh, you could literally just talk about margins. If you understand who my vendors are and how I worry about my margins and you hit on that pain point, I'm mm-hmm. gonna listen because mm-hmm. I care about that. Yeah. And it's no different for a manufacturer. You know, if you're talking to medical practices, they worry about their patients <laughs> and they worry about their medical malpractice insurance and the yeah. rising costs <laughs> of that. Yeah. So it's really not that complicated. I mean, you can do 30 minutes of research on the internet and find out some of the big pain points that anybody in their specific industry has, yeah. and you can cater your specific content marketing that way. Yeah. And whether it's email or social media or whatever it is, that's what you got to do. And so nobody does it. And Everyone's trying to make a sale. Everything's an ad. Everything's an offer. There's nothing wrong with an offer. Offers are great, but there's a time and a place to make the offer. And it certainly isn't over a cold email.
0: Yeah, <laughs> well put. And 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 I like that you get a little little riled at this because so do oh. I. And, <laughs> no, seriously. on yeah. um, the other the other thing I want to come back to because you mentioned how relatively small the number of of content creators on LinkedIn is at least proportionately, and I think true on other channels as well. Um, good content is work, mm-hmm. like, and and I mean, you've got the background to do it, so you know you know like, you know how to do it. You know know to put the work in it, but I find myself irked by pretend content that's just a sales pitch masquerading as something substantive. Any reaction
1: to that? Well, I I think it depends upon what your purpose is with what it is you're doing. Mm -hmm. So that would bleed through into everything that you do. And and I, I see this a lot from software vendors. I see this a lot from other service providers, maybe SaaS service providers, because to them, it's a numbers game. If I've got a low margin or a low dollar value type service that I just need to have en masse to be able to be profitable, mm-hmm. then I'm just going to spray and pray. It's all about it's all about that mentality. But if you offer a uh, su- uh, you know a service with substance, if you offer a product with substance that is actually designed to help somebody in some way, mm-hmm. you can't go out and do that. In in my business, I know I have 40,000, there's 40,000 companies that do what I do at at our core, 40,000 companies that do what we do across the United States. Now I'm very different because I position myself different from a marketing perspective. Mm -hmm. But if you look down deep, you peel back all the layers, we all do at our core the same thing. So you have to differentiate yourself against every single one of those people. And I think what happens with those people that are just creating that content that is a thinly disguised sales pitch Mm -hmm. is that it's becoming more and more apparent. People know what this is. Okay. This is an ad. This is an ad. And I see it. They tell, they want to tell their story. I struggle with this and I struggle with that. Put out some empathy. Empathy and compassion are different. Put out some empathy. And then here it is. If you want to know how to fix that problem, here's my five-step process. Here's my 10-step process. And it's like, there it is. Yeah, there it is, right there. And you did it all in one thing. You didn't even give me like a series of three or four pieces of content before you pitched me. You pitched me right there.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: And now I don't really want to talk. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. It. It's. Uh, it, it's a uh, battle for attention these days, mm. isn't it? It is. It's like the, the one commodity that we're not getting more of. Right. We're only getting less of. Yeah. Right. Um, who was it? George George Gilder said. The two things we can't change are the speed of light and the span of life. Yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> Although I think we're probably working on the latter, but you know, yeah. let's, let's, <laughs> let's treat it as finite, uh, nonetheless. Well, where, um, where from here for 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 your company and and uh, you know your aims for what you do?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, like I said, differentiation is key into any business that is becoming commoditized. In my specific industry, while it didn't used to be the case, has become very commoditized. Mm-hmm. I think everybody, people are trying to offer IT in a box. People are trying to, you know, we'll, we'll just go hire a $30,000 a year guy because that's good enough. Right. And that's our fault. That's our fault. We made it that way. We we turned ourselves into the volunteer firefighters instead of the functional business associate consultant that really helps you drive a better business result. Mm-hmm. So we're working to change that, but you can't change that by going out and saying, well, listen, I'll give you faster response. Listen, I'll guarantee I always pick up the phone. Listen, I'll guarantee that I'll keep your, your machines, your computers online all the time. Yeah. You've got to go after something that's different. Mm-hmm. So the way we're looking at this and, and we're working on a book, Right now, we're, we're going to be publishing a book next year on this specific topic. We're working on this for all of our messaging. We, we focus on manufacturing, construction, wholesale distribution companies. We also work uh, very heavily in the healthcare space, but we don't spend a lot of marketing dollars in the healthcare space. So from a marketing perspective, it's those other uh, four things that I mentioned. Okay. And we know that they are notoriously bad at understanding how to spend money on technology. And and why would they be good at it? Right. That's not their business. Right. And even when they hire IT people, they hire people who understand how to fix a computer or maybe even how to build a network. But that doesn't mean that those people have 20 years of running a business, understanding margin, understanding profitability. They just understand technology. And what you need is the bridge between the two. And so our positioning is, listen, we're going to come in We're going to take a look at how you spend money on technology today and what specific results it's driving for your business. And what we'll do is reorganize how you do that Mm -hmm. and we'll drive a higher business result, which means increasing employee productivity, making things work better, increasing your margins because you know that every critical employee in your business relies on technology for as long as they're working. And just as an example, if, you, if your payroll is $100,000 a month, and the statistic says the average employee is 35% efficient at their job, 35% efficient with their time, your payroll isn't actually 100000 it's 285000 Or if you look at it in the reverse, and you made your employees twice as productive, right. you would need half as many to actually keep the company running. Now, that's not to suggest you go out and fire everybody, but imagine your growth potential. Imagine the ceiling from a labor efficiency perspective grows dramatically. And the problem is nobody has somebody inside of their company that's telling them how to do that, that's showing them how to do that so that they can drive the result that they need. And when they come in every day, they're worried about their supply chain. They're worried about their vendors and rising prices and their customers don't want to pay more, more and their margins are shrinking. Right. They don't. They want to be able to compete in the marketplace and have things like e-commerce mm-hmm. and be able to distribute their product far, farther and wider and easier. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, they just don't relate that back to technology. Hmm. And so that's what we do. Bring in that playback, playbook, show them how to do it. Now, it still takes care of their computer support. It still takes care of their cybersecurity. It still right. take, takes care of their backup and disaster recovery. But those are functional things. That's like saying my accountant files my tax return. Well, of course he does. Yeah. But that doesn't mean he can't be strategic at other things. Yeah. That doesn't mean he can't understand your business and guide you how to make better decisions with your money.
0: Nice. Wow. That's, uh, that's exciting. That's what we're doing. (laughs) Well, it makes a ton. It makes a ton of sense, right? Like fixing the bits and the bytes without re-examining what they do Mm -hmm. from you know the 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 business purpose, the business function uh, of the bits and bytes, particularly when it comes to enabling people um, to do more, to do different, to do better. Um, Yeah. So very very different ballgame. Much more consultative as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. And and that's the problem. IT doesn't come and go. IT is always there. You need to have people that are thinking this way involved in your business all the time. This is why the title CIO became a thing. This is why the title CISO, CISO, Chief Information Security Officer became sure. a thing. Yeah. And they're expanding upon this. There's more and more of them popping up because <laughs> customers are starting to get clients, businesses are starting to get more aware of this. Yeah. I mean, the, the pipeline hack was huge. You know, you, you tell somebody, well, you need cybersecurity and they go, oh, you know, I've never really been hacked. So it's not a big deal, but it became real when you couldn't get gas. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: And now you have major news outlets that are talking about ransomware. Yep. They're like oh ransomware, it's becoming a buzzword. People actually know what this is now. You can walk up up to your average person, and goes, oh yeah, that's why I couldn't get gas. Yeah. Okay, so you get that it's important. <laughs> <laughs> you get that preventing it is important.
0: Yeah, and it's no longer you know the 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 digital layer of uh, the digital layer of civilization is no longer sort of new and novel and an externality to how things really work. Right. No, it's actually how things really work now. Yep. Man, if, if, if we did, if this. Uh, if this COVID bug had had busted loose five years earlier, ten years earlier, it would have been a very different ball game. Mm-hmm. Like yep. wow, it, I feel like in a funny way we we lucked out. Yep. Like in, yeah. in when this actually hits, like we'd matured a lot of pieces of oh, I can work from home. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Right, like like <laughs> yeah. let's let's keep on things going there. Well, let's uh, let's wrap it up, boy. You got the uh you got the energy I think you're gonna do stuff <laughs>
1: yeah they some some people say that to me so I guess yeah. that's that must yeah. be true
0: <laughs> well it seems like you enjoy, I mean you're g- growing to a you know twenty four person company like that that's a lot of responsibility and headaches and things like that but you still seem super engaged in it
1: oh yeah well you know it's purpose driven yeah. uh it gets me up every day and and I just have a blast doing it and you know, we've gotten to the point now where I don't have to wear seven hats in the business. We've right. got a great team that has taken—I've delegated to—they've taken those things off my shoulders. Yeah, and now I have the ability to focus more on how do we grow this business, how do yeah. we provide better customer service, how do we get better results? Because those are the big questions any founder or CEO, president should be asking and working on every day. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it, it does—it does take some some effort to get sort of up on the step, uh, as a voter would say, where. Yep. You know, where you've, where you've got a wave carrying you forward, and you're, yeah, you're looking beyond that. Well, yep. cool. Thank you for uh, for making the time for this conversation. I figured it'd be interesting when I was looking up your background, and it certainly turned out to be the case. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, my guest today has been Ross Browse, president of Continuous Networks. Where does someone find you if they're just listening to this? Where does someone find your company if they say, "Ooh, I want to talk with him."
1: Yeah. So, I mean, if you're on LinkedIn, you can look me up. I'm linkedin.com slash in slash Ross So R-O-S-S-B-R-O-U-S-E. <S-S-B-R-O-U-S-E>. Uh, got tons of information there. You can read about my company. You can also link to continuous.net. C-O-N-T-I-N-U-O-U-S.net is our website. Read all about what it is we do. You know, if you're on LinkedIn, connect with me, uh, you know, direct message me. I'd love to have a conversation.
0: Terrific. Thanks, Ross. We'll hit- end the recording and we're out. Hi, Dr. Matthew Dunn here. Thank you so much for listening to the Future of Email. If you're an email industry exec or marketer and you're interested in being a guest, please apply at campaigngenius.io slash futureofemail. If this interview was useful for you, please consider sharing it. Grab a screenshot and post it and text it and of course, email it to your friends. If you know someone who you think would be a good guest, Tag them in your post and include the hashtag #futureofemail. I really appreciate seeing guest suggestions. It helps us a ton to keep the show interesting. We do put out new episodes and new content fairly regularly. To keep up, I would suggest subscribing. Your sharing, your rating, your reviews are the key to promoting to the show, and they mean a ton to me and to the team here. If you want to know more, go to our website campaigngenius.io/futureofemail or follow me on LinkedIn. Search for Dr. Matthew Dunn. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.